0: You are now listening to the Gun Dog Notebook podcast hosted by Darrell Smith with Paulus Ruger and Honeymoon in Vegas. Guys, welcome back to another phenomenal episode of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast. This is your host Darrell Smith, and I'm bringing to you today, this morning, this evening, whenever you're listening to it, Callie Parmley of Gun Dog Magazine, the new editor-in-chief of Gun Dog Magazine. So before we go ahead and get into that episode you know I got to start off with my usual intros and announcements and thank you this and thank you that I want to start off with Northwoods collective guys um and just let you just to to let y'all know I'm doing a little bit of a giveaway um so the Project Upland magazine the summer 2019 issue 1.2 I am actually going to do a giveaway all right um One of those issues that I'm going to send from me to you, um, I'll mail it out and all of that stuff. I need you guys to email me, all right? Email the Notebook at gmail.com. And I want you guys to email me the best photo that illustrates the idea of a story of mentorship in the Uplands, okay? That is the thing that I'm working with, a story of mentorship in the Uplands. Um, I was inspired by AJ DeRosa's editor's note um, in the beginning of that issue and I kind of want to make sure that we remember and reinforce R3 and the idea of mentorship, especially going into the next hunting season. Right now is actually a good time to start getting folks, you know, just lightweight introduced. So, I also want to go ahead and tell you guys to follow and subscribe um, the northwoods collective instagram account project upland instagram account the uh morning thunder instagram account uh the endless migration instagram account and i also want to encourage and you know promote the Project Upland podcast, alright, the Endless Migration podcast, go ahead and check those folks out, Jake Terry and Nick Larson are just phenom- phenoms, okay, phenoms in this podcast industry, um, and I'm just really impressed with, um, you know, both podcasts, but you know, I always like new ones coming out, and Endless Migration is definitely a heavy hitter of course, Jay Terry, that's my buddy. Nick Larson, that's my buddy. So, you know, I, I, I think it goes without saying that the whole Northwoods collective crew is just really, you know, bringing, bringing some, some heat, all right? So my next thing that I want you guys to do is go and check out Dakota 283 Kennel. Get yourself a G3 signature Kennel. I'm excited about it because I just got mine dirty and muddied up today and it was very easy to wash out because I got a whole little hole in the back and it kind of just drains out. You know how it drains through a little circley thing as it goes out? Well, yeah, I had two dogs and one G3 kennel, that should tell you, and a medium, that should tell you, and they both fit very comfortably today at the lake. Um, and of course, it got real muddy. We were doing water work. And as an aside, I need to shout out Ruger in Vegas for doing awesome stuff today. Vegas got a water introduction and did just spectacular. Um, And I want to thank Ruger for being an awesome assistant and boosting Little Vegas' confidence. But... All of that being said um, Dakota 283 kennels I definitely want to encourage you guys To go check them out They're always putting out new stuff Good stuff And Greg Cronkite's just a a spectacular guy I've also had him on the podcast you want to know a little bit more about Dakota 283 You can go listen to that episode as well Um, Lion Country Supply Please go check those folks out too Eric Munden. Get a hold of them. Had him on the podcast He's definitely one that is extremely knowledgeable about the products. Um, And I mean, they've looked out for me a ton. I love their products. um, And I stand by their products. They're very quality, quality, quality products. Um, A lot of folks ask me about the pinch collar that I use. So one of the collars that I used is very special and was gifted to me by... Um, my buddy Joe Ploat and uh, you know I'm, uh, with a, a, a series of other things but also the other pinch collar that I use um, is it's a very 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 nice collar decision at all I mean it's something you want to pass down to your grandkids for when they get into dog training but I get I got my other uh, pinch collar from Lion country supply and I'm excited about it you know it's a very very well-made product so go check that stuff out. Um, you know, and guys, I'm just really excited about everything that's going on with summer training. Um, in addition to the new edition of Yukonuba Sporting Dog. So, we of course made the switch to Yukonuba Premium Performance 3020 uh, blend and Vegas and Ruger have just done Light years better than what I was even remotely expecting. Um, So much so that I actually don't feed them near as much as I was feeding with my other um, dog food from, you know, way back when. And uh, those dogs are full. They got full bellies. And they are running and just doing phenomenal and spectacular. I'm going to make sure that I get you you guys more information uh, on the Premium Performance Blend. And if y'all just can do me one favor on your social media, tag or hashtag, whatever you do, you canuba sporting dog and the gun dog notebook in the same post. All right. Let folks know how much you love them. Alright. You can they have just been just really top of the line and really showed us some you know a, a good time number one but also showed us some really 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 important things about just dog food and the feed that goes in in the in the research and the study that goes into this stuff so do me a favor when you get a chance uh tag and hashtag you can do the sporting dog the gun dog notebook, you know and let folks know how much you appreciate it if you use it all right um, outside of that, you know, I, I'm i just excited about the summer, feeling rejuvenated. Got a chance to work Ruger on some directional casting, and I, I got a chance to introduce Vegas into the water, and both dogs are phenomenal. I think we got a good team. But I ain't going to talk your head off too much, guys. I just wanted to go through that stuff. Um, make sure that you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps me out. Um... You know, it it, it lets me know how much you love me. So, anywho, with that being said, that is all I have for you guys as far as introductions. I'm trying to keep it as short as possible. What we have next, we have Kelly Parmley of The Gun Dog Magazine. Gun Dog Mag, guys, the editor-in-chief. And I want you guys to make sure you listen to the things that are coming up um, in the near future. Some of her stories, I mean... Callie is just awesome so anywho (laughs) i'll stop talking now y'all enjoy the episode i see y'all i did okay guys this is another episode of the gundog notebook podcast it's a very 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 special episode because Quite frankly, I spent a lot of money with Gun Dog Magazine, and now we have <laughs> the new editor on. So, if I could go ahead and welcome Miss Callie Parmley. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thanks
0: for having me. Uh, well, thank you very much. I am just fine. I'm really excited. Like I said, I've, I've definitely given you guys a lot of my business over, over the time that I've been hunting. So. Well, we
1: definitely
0: appreciate that, that's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure a lot of listeners, um, you know, have done the same. So just to put it out there, I think you guys are like one of, typically one of the first resources that people go to when they're getting into bird dogs. You think I'm correct in that one?
1: I agree. And, you know, I mean, our, you know, our title is Gun Dog Magazine and Gun Dog is the premier spring dog a magazine that really focuses on training and how to train your bird dogs so i would hope that we're the first magazine that people you know uh, venture towards on the newsstands or as subscribers and that's what we want to stick to being
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i uh i mean it's, it's very obvious you guys are pretty much everywhere as long as you can get magazines of course you should should subscribe but um that's one of the things that i really liked when i got in there um and just to open up, you know, my buddy Jerry Imprivento, um, who's actually had a few covers for Gundog, he was the one that introduced me. So not only am I saying thank you to him, but, you know, he's definitely been influential in, I guess, the image, my image of, of what Gundog is. You know, when I've, I've had a couple of his, you know, images kind of used on my social media But I just like it when I see his stuff on the front cover. (laughs) so. He's
1: he's a good contributor. He's a good friend. And he um, helps out when needed. And he's a good freelancer, good writer. And we really appreciate Jerry. And he's definitely one heck of a photographer.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So I actually met Jerry face-to-face for the first time at the Super Retriever series. And uh, he was doing some work for them. And that dude is just... He always says that I'm like the most inspired person as far as you know, gun dog stuff. But I really think Jerry kind of takes the cake on that one. Um, he is
1: a little bit of a selfish plug for Jerry here is He he's an um, avid owner of Irish Red and White Setters. Mm-hmm. And in our our August issue, which I'm actually putting to bed this week, um, our breed profile is on the Irish Red and White Setter. So a bunch of uh, Jerry's dog Finn is going to be featured, and so I know he. He's happy to see that and
0: that's for sure of course of course i'm i'm actually glad that y'all are doing it that, because that's that's a pretty dog <laughs> no it's a beautiful dog.
1: hard-working dog too
0: yes 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 so we um i remember when jerry got him but you know i just i'm excited that you guys are doing work with, with him he's definitely a good friend of mine but i want to talk a little bit about you so Let's just start off with how you even got into this whole thing. You know, of course, we got to open up with the background and kind of how you transitioned from lab or into labs.
1: Sure. So, um, my background is kind of a different one, I, I would like to say, is I didn't grow up hunting. Um, I grew up, but I did grow up in a very rural community. I grew up in Ohio, in uh, a small town called Bellefontaine, Ohio. And um, uh, I was used to you know, the country lifestyle. I grew up horseback riding and trail riding and camping with um, my grandmother. And then my grandpa, uh, he was um, an attorney, but also a cattle farmer. And when he retired from both of those things, he started training English setters. And that kind of became his little hobby, his little pastime. And so um, in the summertime, I would actually, he'd actually pay me to ride his horses because he, as he got older, he got into about his um, his late seventies, he stopped hunting so much, but he was doing mostly field trials. And so he needed Mm -hmm. someone to ride his horses every day, you know, so he'd pay me, uh, to come out, uh, two or three times a week to ride his horses. And I got to be around when he was breeding and, uh, training his setters. And I still remember, you know, him pulling up on his four wheeler with his setters lashed out, you know, after working them all day. And, um, so it became really special thing to me and I really, um, that's where I really got introduced to the breed of English Shedders and bird dogs and things of that sort, and um, I'd help him out. I even got caught in the pigeon house one time. That's a whole different story. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, everyone's worst nightmare is getting locked in a small, small enclosure. But, uh-huh. Um, so I didn't I didn't start out hunting. Uh, that's something I came into later in life, and it actually fell into my life in a very um, random way. Uh, I went to college. I played basketball in college. And, um, when I graduated, I knew I went to college for photojournalism and I knew that I wanted to be an editor of a magazine. Did I know I wanted to be an editor of a hunting magazine? No, not at all. So, um, I got a random, I got the first job out of college that I could get. It was actually with an organization uh, located in Columbus, Ohio called the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance. They go by the Sportsman's Alliance now. Mm-hmm. And I started out in their uh, youth program. And uh, I remember the, one of the first questions during the interview process was, do you have a problem with hunting? And I remember saying to them, well, no, because you know I grew up in a community where the kids uh left school to go hunting every day you know so hunting was not strange to me i did not frown upon it i just didn't have anyone who took me hunting and so um but i had a general understanding of shooting shooting and things of that sort so i started out at the sportsman's alliance and i taught youth uh shooting sports and things of that sort and I slowly, uh, developed a love for the sport of hunting. I actually had one of my coworkers took me Turkey hunting and I remember it was just this very exciting, <laughs> exciting. I remember we were belly crawling. There was no blind sitting we were all spot and stock. And it was so, I loved it so much. That really is what I attribute to me falling in love with hunting. Nice. And so, um, I ended up moving over to the marketing department and the sportsman's alliance and I helped revitalize their whole marketing and their magazine and things of that sort. So I made my contacts in the industry and I was able to land a job as the associate editor of Peterson's hunting magazine. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up and I moved to Illinois and that's where I fell in love with big game hunting. Well, right prior, before I moved, I actually got a dog and that dog was just going to be, you know, a, a family dog, you know, not, not a hunting dog, nothing of that sort. Well, a couple months, uh, a couple months prior to me getting the dog, Um, I actually met some friends who were really into bird hunting and when I got Lincoln uh, my lab um, I remember it was about a year later and my friend said to me hey I'm going out to you know just do some dog training at this local game farm bring Lincoln and I remember laughing and I said no my dogs never you know he knew basic obedience because in college I had uh, actually trained a service dog so he was he was well-trained he knew basic means he knew retrieving he knew all that stuff and i remember saying no i don't want to mess up your hunt like he's not going to come you know they insisted bring lincoln so i went out with him and i said okay and i remember being so nervous because i'm like i'm gonna mess up these guys hunt like i don't think they realize my dog has never even smelled a bird and i took him out and we probably started about 8 a.m and by noon that day lincoln was flushing birds and retrieving them almost all the way to hand. Nice. And I remember just tears of pride and joy, you know, like everyone I'm sure can remember when their dog brings them their first, mm-hmm. first bird. You know? we, <laughs> yep. had a, we filmed it. It was just something that I will remember to this day, you know, just like, Wow. My dog has never done this before, and in four hours, after watching these other dogs and just kind of getting an idea, he figured out what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so, I um, that day is when I decided it would be just awful if I didn't train this dog to hunt birds. And so, picked up some books, watched some YouTube videos, and Lincoln and I figured out how to flush and retrieve birds, and we have been hunting together ever since. Nice. So...
0: Nice, nice. First of all, that is a very beautiful story. Uh, <laughs> it really is. Um, and just the matriculation of your experience. Do you think, though, like being around all of that, do you think it was like, was that a coincidence? Or do you think he just kind of, it woke up one day? I'm not the type of person to believe in coincidence. So I just want to know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, I think, I think Lincoln had a lot of, natural hunting instinct you know his you Mm -hmm. know I talked to his breeder prior and you know his she did she had told me um you know his dad was a hunter and blah blah but you know when I was getting him at the time I wasn't worried about that Mm -hmm. you know so I think it was a lot of natural for Lincoln and I will say I've been very fortunate that he is a very smart dog and he picks up on things very easily Mm -hmm. and so and he already knew how to retrieve and bring things directly back to me so I think it was just a all some natural instincts kicking, kicking in that, Hey, this, you know, feather covered thing is just like a ball. Like I normally retrieve, you know, Mm -hmm. and and she gets excited if I bring it back to her. So (laughs) So
0: one plus one must be two.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm So, you know, and most people would frown on the fact that I just stuck my dog in the field and did that. And now that I look back, I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, (laughs) but Hey, I, it brought me to where I am with Lincoln today and I'm forever grateful for it. You know, right. will I do that with my next bird dog? Probably not. You know, I'm going to make sure that I've got uh, trained on birds, you know, before I hit the field, but um, you know, it, it, it ended up working out to the best and it has created two new bird hunters. That's for sure.
0: Right. Well, I mean, even acknowledge that like you, your path is very unconventional to, most people, I think we can both agree on that. Your dog is most more unconventional. Your path, the way you got there. So, I mean, I think it's okay to defy the rules a little bit, you know, if there, if there are rules per se. You know, as long as you're in there, as long as your dog has the genetics, you know, I think we get caught up on so many, um, I guess, very trivial things about the way that people get into you know bird dogs and gun dogs and what the dog looks like where the dog comes from I think we really get caught up into that but Mm -hmm. to be honest like I've read a lot of stories with people with dogs that aren't even quote-unquote bird dogs you
1: see
0: what I'm saying
1: absolutely yeah there is it's it's we get caught up on um you know the genetics and where this dog came from, and it's like, you know, a lot of people I know pick up uh, dogs from the pound and they end up being great bird dogs. I, yeah. If you have a, you know, if you have a connection with your dog, and um, I would never ever encourage, you know, um, bad breeding or anything of that sort. I think it's very important to know your breeder. You know, go to their house, right. you know, watch them go, maybe even hunt over one of their dogs. You know, I did right. s- highly encourage that, but. You know what? I think a bird dog can be unconditional or a dog of a different color, but if it hunts for you, then all power to it, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important. And again, that is your perspective and outlook is exactly why I was so interested in, you know, having you on the podcast. Um, I think you are going to be just, even from what I've read, I think you're going to be a very, very, very powerful voice. Um, in this particular community and especially given the fact that like this, the new generation of bird hunters let's say the millennial generation everybody that comes after us right Mm -hmm. you know we've got so much media exposure and and social media and and video and film we've got YouTube and stuff like that I think you know it's okay if somebody says I want to get out and hunt but you know, my dog has this drive. He wants to chase up birds and squirrels and stuff in the backyard, but I don't want to deter that person just because they don't have, you know, uh, you know, it's some dog from some, you know, extremely well-known kennel or, or anything like that. If they've noticed certain characteristics and traits, I think it's, it's, it's okay to say, well, look, come on out and hunt with me.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I encourage everybody bird hunting is a passion it's a it's something I'm I love to do it is an extreme hobby of mine um, you can't take it away from me you know and so I love to spread that to different people and share that with them and then I was fortunate enough to have people share it with me and I'm so lucky that that happened and I would never want anyone to say why well, I don't have a traditional bird dog you know right <laughs> if you have a dog that hunts and it it's well now I do encourage everyone to you know if your dog doesn't listen or you know you're screaming at the top of your lungs to you get him to come back I don't really encourage you to hit the field as you'll scare a lot of the birds away right
0: but- right we need manners <laughs>
1: yeah we need manners you your we dog do. respect the other dogs but um I encourage everyone to get into bird hunting I encourage you know uh, people to do their research, decide what breed they want, what breed fits best for them, because each bird dog is different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even if you pick up a mutt and he is natural at what he does, then I encourage you to hunt with him. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I, and I always got to tackle this topic again back on the media aspect of it. To me, I've always been the, the type of person that says I, I rule books over the internet and. It's funny because I, I have a, a social media and internet presence and stuff like that. That's fine, but I'm always the one to tell people to go pick up a magazine, um, or go pick up a book. Now, what what is it? What like where? Where is the value in the YouTube dog trainer, especially for someone that doesn't know where to start? Well, what's funny
1: about that is, is. You know, I'm the editor of a print publication, and I highly encourage people to uh, subscribe to the magazine because we do provide the how-tos, you know, here's what your dog needs to know, here's how to do it. You know, i got a whole column coming up in the September issue about marking and, and how you should set up the the drill for to do it, you know, and, and things of that sort. But I am also a very visual person as well, mm-hmm. and I do search YouTube for – just general, I remember I did that uh, before I got Lincoln. It's like, okay, how do I do this command? How do I do this command? And it's good to see it visually,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is good. Um, and that's why Gun Dog is kind of a two part series. Like, not only do you have the print publication where you can keep this magazine on hand, rip out an article, and read it over again and again, mm-hmm. but we also have, um, uh, we also have training dvds mm-hmm. um we're re re-publishing those now and getting those um up to date and back on the internet where you can get these how-to videos and um and that's the thing about gundog is that gundog is your go-to source for training and it will always be that yep. you know we have top-of-the-line columnists who are professional trainers who can also write for us and so they give you um Uh, that perspective and that's that's what gundog will always be we'll never venture away from that Mm -hmm. and uh we are the publication that's going to tell you how to train your dog for the field
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and i think it's necessary to put that out there um but i'm always going to tell people to go pick up (laughs) a gundog magazine like it's something to me about the printed word i mean it just is um even a little bit of imagination that goes in there. You know, when we talk about um, unconventional, you know, training or not necessarily unconventional, but the DIY dog trainer.
1: Yeah, I, th- there are, I was just going to say that that's that's the a lot of people can't afford a trainer. Yeah. And if you you know, like there was something um, personal that I wanted to have that connection with my dog where I trained him and could say i trained him and um something prideful about that and but a lot of people don't have time to do that drill you know sometimes it's like hey i've got kids and i've got a i've got a job i gotta send them off and that is perfectly fine there's nothing wrong with that right um but there is something to say for those guys there's a whole generation of people out there who just want to train their dogs themselves and that's why you need a go-to source Mm -hmm. gun dog is that and um there are a lot of informational, you know, YouTube videos that out there. You know, I encourage, you know, Jeremy Moore puts out, puts out good videos. Uh, you know, Dawkins does a bunch of, Tom Dawkins does a bunch of uh, how-to videos mm-hmm. for us. Bob West does a bunch of how-to videos. It's like, there are resources if you would like to train your dog yourself.
0: Right, right. And, you know, it's definitely important to know, you know, where to get those resources. Is half the reason why I do this, you know, this particular podcast to talk to, you know, good folks like you, um, you know, just to really, you know, give folks some hope, I guess, some some direction. Like, you know, no, you don't need to be a pro trainer to train a dog, but you do need to be knowledgeable, you know, and, and even more so, like, I'm a big history buff, too. Like, I like knowing what came beforehand, and it's definitely important to know, you know, as a DIY dog trainer, all right. Well, this is what guys were doing beforehand. This is what guys are doing now. What are the, you know, what are the patterns, you know, and and what are the similarities? So, you know, I just appreciate you bringing that in. <laughs>
1: well, what's funny, you know, is I'm looking. So I have a lab right now I'm looking to add to my, my bird dog arsenal, as I like to call it, is I want a, a pointing breed mm-hmm. uh, by next season. I'm looking to get an English setter, and I'm looking to train that dog myself because I would like the knowledge of how to train a pointing breed. Mm-hmm. And so just the other day, I started you know Googling best books for to train a pointing dog, mm-hmm. You know how-to books to do this. And, and some people... Um, may kind of turn their nose up at that, but it's, you know, it's like, this is what I want to do. This is, I have that connect. I would like that connection with my dog. I would like to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I would like to Mm -hmm. work with my dog every single day to make him the, the, the best he can be. And, but I'm also going to lean on professional trainers as well. So Mm -hmm. I will pick up those how to DVDs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. I will read gun dog magazine and I will reach out to trainers and get their ideas, you know? So it's just, um, there is a market for those DIY guys, and I highly encourage it. But I also encourage you to uh, look into professionals as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, all right. So now you 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 you've stepped into my shoes. So I just got my pointer, um, and I'm you know training them myself, doing as much as I can out. You know, all day, every day. Um, you know, when I'm not at work, I'm getting up in the morning or training in the evening. Um, yeah. And the books that I'm using, number one, as far as the DVDs, I'm using Bud Moore's DVD. Um, mm-hmm. I'm combining techniques, which I think is definitely something people should look into. Um, Delmar Smith's best way to train a, your gun dog. Um, Mo Lindley um, training with Mo, and also a personal, you know, friend of mine, uh, Neil Carter, down in Thomasville, Georgia, who I just go see. Um, you know, and watch him. You know, I think it's kind of cool to combine all of those techniques. You know, find out what works and what doesn't work for your dog. Of mm-hmm. course, you know. But uh, what what books are you interested in?
1: Well, um, honestly, I I honest, there is one book that I have to. I can't remember what book it is exactly. I think it was Walter's Gun Dog Book. Oh
0: yeah, definitely yeah. a good one. Someone.
1: Yeah, someone handed me when I went to train. When I told my friend that I um, was going to train Lincoln, he, he brought it into work and he said, Here, use this book. It's great. And it was by Richard Walters and it was, uh, you know, How to Train Your Gun Dog. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very basic. And that's what I really appreciate about it. it. was like, step, you know, do this step, do this step, do this step. And so I was able to kind of combine what I read in that book with, with what I had looked, you know, found online and, and things of that sort. And um, I remember I just taught you know, direct, I was able to choose directions, and let, I was, I was, I was training a flusher retriever, you know, right. not a setter, so that's why I'm trying to, now, okay, I've got that experience of training a flusher retriever, now I want to train a setter, mm-hmm. so now I have to go completely in a, a different direction of something that's out of my comfort zone and mm-hmm. learn that, but I, I, I welcome learning new things and trying new things, but, um, um, before I make that commitment, you best believe I'm going to be reading about everybody that I can, uh, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. training a lab in a point like you were talking about East and West.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's two different things, but I think that experience is something that is that I want to learn. Is that what I, I need to have the knowledge of? And so, mm-hmm. um, um, I've hunted over plenty of, uh, uh, pointing breeds. Of course, so yeah. So, seeing working work in the field, I'm like, yep, I want to do that.
0: Yep, yep, um, yep, yep. And in one of your stories, I don't want to spoil it too much before we get there, but you do have a setter that you talk about in that, in those stories, too.
1: I do. I have my friend Brian. He owns a Llewellyn setter. Um, and then my friend Steve has two GSPs. And I've hunted over them plenty of times. I've hunted over uh, a Griffon. Mm-hmm. Um hunted over plenty of GSPs. You know, everyone seems to lean towards the GSPs. I'm yeah I teamed to learn I was I was trying to I was wavering between did I want an English setter or did I want a Griffon? And I think I'm going with the English setter. Go because with the setter. Go
0: go setter. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. This is such a classic bird dog. My grandma uh-huh. raised up so it's kinda of, you know just uh something for him a little bit. So Yeah. Yeah. Um
0: Well but, uh, look, as you as you know, I'm breed biased. <laughs> Yes, you're one
1: of those English pointer guys. Right? I am yeah, right, and they are their own breed of <laughs> humans, right there.
0: And I and I gladly accept it. Okay.
1: Yes, yeah, so well, I remember my grandpa had an English uh, English pointer named Bud, and he was just the nicest dog, champion bloodline dog, and so I, I'm with you on that there. But I think
0: I yeah. want to set her. So. No, no. Hey, look, if I. If, if, I will say I get I now I give short hairs a hard time on this podcast only because for a quick second, everybody knows this. I thought about getting one. Um, glad I never did just because <laughs> I I'm you know no and, and no shade on the breed, but I am, like I said, I'm a history buff and much like you, like you are kind of giving your grandfather tribute to the setters. Well for me, um, especially, you know, black folks down here in the South and, and just your your traditional southern um, bird hunter, mm-hmm. I, the guys that I'm learning from, like in person, they're running, you know, they are the African-American plantation dog. I mean, uh, field trialers, they're running pointers and setters.
1: Yeah. They that's that's huge down there and cockers too.
0: Right? Yes, right. and cockers. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. I um and see and I would probably have a cocker in my arsenal if I didn't have a lab. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, you can always have three
1: dogs. You can never have too many. I would like to say Well that.
0: great. Hey, guess what? <laughs> guess what? Guess what? You can tell that to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a baby coming on the way. Just I'm a, I'm gonna hold you to that. We can always have three dogs. <laughs> On the three. <laughs> i uh but no i'm i am you know i guess humorously breed biased um you know i give people a hard time if you don't have <laughs> a center or a pointer but I, I honestly love all breeds i mean i do sure. um, you know and i like to learn about why the breeds are you know are here you know Um, you know, what, you know, how various cultures developed those breeds and and what they were bred for. You know, German dogs, as much crap as I'll give them, the Germans did a a, a phenomenal job (laughs) in in, in breeding that dog. I did did look at the dress art for
1: a while. I forgot
0: about that. Hey, you talking about a machine. Yeah,
1: they they really are.
2: I mean, Mm -hmm. there's
1: absolutely nothing wrong with those breeds. They are hard-charging bird dogs, and I just, um, Really, I think the setter thing comes back just to my family history.
0: Yeah, That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I can appreciate it, and I'm, I'm rooting for Team Setter over here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all right, let's talk about. And I want to. I, I like to get into your articles, and then I want to swing it back into you know what we should expect from Gun Dog Magazine coming up. But I really want to touch on your articles that you sent me because. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I I dove right in when I was reading them. <laughs> I did. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um, your first article. I think it makes sense to start with this one: the novice, the pup, and the badlands. Now, you seem to have some light bulb moments in that article. Talk about that a bit.
1: Well, I did. I so that was um, an article that I wrote oh, probably three or four years ago about my first wild bird hunt and, um, that was soon after Lincoln had his first day of field, you know, I spent the summer training him, and then that fall, we went on our first wild bird hunt, and we went to North Dakota, and we were hunting, um, uh, the Badlands, which a lot of people forget that the Badlands kind of spread in North Dakota, but we were hunting, um, outside of Medora, which is where Teddy Roosevelt set up his first, uh, you know, ranch, and that's where he kind of came to love big game hunting, and, um, things of that sort. So it was really neat to hunt that land where you know the father of conservation had one, you know, had once lived and um, really found the true love of the hunting sport. And so, um, but the thing about hunting there is we were hunting sharpies, and as mm-hmm. many as many of you bird hunters know, sharpies are a tough game species to hunt. Yeah, and it was definitely um, cutting my teeth on uh, a very hard species at my first wild bird hunt. And so we just. We hiked for miles and miles and miles, and Lincoln was, oh, I, th- I think he was a year and a half old by then. And so he was so young, and you know, Spry and he could just go and go. And I remember we, I think we ended up covering 40 miles in you know, three days, and that's welcome <laughs> to wild bird hunting. Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> and then we camped, and we were doing, you know, all public land stuff, and we were camping. And so, you know, you come home and you're sleeping on the hard ground, but. That's the way I prefer to hunt, that's mm-hmm. how I continue to do it, mm-hmm. and um, that hunt was memorable enough that four years later, I'm still doing it. So.
0: Yep, yep. Now, I, I'm totally here for the camping out. My first wild bird hunt out in Kansas, it mm-hmm. was at the highest 30 degrees, which folks here in Georgia, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's no,
1: that's cold for anybody. No.
0: Yeah, it's cold for anybody, and it dropped. Now, that was the highest it ever got. Um, it drops significantly throughout the day and throughout the night on top of the wind. But, you know, if you're going to go wild bird hunt, you, go ahead and pitch a tent. I'm here for it. Yep. If you're if yep. you going to do a wake up with the sun. Um, but, first of all, you you talk about putting in miles, right? And I think yep. it should be known that, you know, if you're going to do that, and, and and it may be due to population numbers it may be due to you know the availability of you know the land that you hunt but whatever it is you know i don't want anybody that's new especially the folks coming new into it whatever birds you hunt you know wild you need to expect to put in miles and i'm so glad that you said that
1: Mm -hmm. you know know, that's the thing about wild birds is you have to come to an appreciation that wild birds are wild and so they're genuinely smarter than you normally and yep. so um wild bird hunting is a lot of miles trekked behind your bird dog a lot of miles where you don't see any coveys mm-hmm. um a lot of miles where you see birds flushing wild in front of you mm-hmm. um but the love of the hunt is what keeps you going and that one bird that you're able to Bring down is what keeps you coming back for more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I agree, and that's just how it is. And really, to me, it's about the experience. It's about being out there with your dog and with your friends and camping and laughing at night. You know, about the stupid things you did or when you fell down here or you know things yeah. of that sort. Yeah. Um. I've truly had some of the best moments of my life hunting with my bird hunting buddies. You know, and doing what we call bird camp every year. And so, uh, I do, and you know, encourage. Everyone to try it.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: What I will say is, if you are taking your first time bird hunter, they're a wild bird hunter. Is I do encourage you to try to take them to a spot where they are going to see birds. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so they get you know. But I don't, I say that for any big game hunting and everything you know it's like if you really want to get somebody hooked you really need to take them to a spot where they're actually going to see things because yeah. then they want to come back for more yeah
0: right, right right you you got to sell it a little bit you know you, yeah. you got to give them the bird drug like you do um okay. but you know i think what's so captivating about that is the dog work now on your first bird hunt your dog is a novice you're a novice at what point in between all of those 40 miles do you start to say, okay, am I doing something wrong? Is the dog doing something wrong? And and, and like what clues did you pick up? Because I mean you're still, you know, for the most part by yourself. I mean to a to a degree. What
2: what
1: yeah. We, yeah, we tend to we tend to spread out when we're hunting. It's what's funny about that is is we got into plenty of birds in North Dakota. That was Sharpies. I, I shot my first hunt in North Dakota. You know, I shot my first wild pheasant in North Dakota. We got into birds, um, but I remember thinking on the last day. It was the last day, and it was we had been hunting you know three or four days. I was tired. Um, in the last field, we were making the last trek, and Lincoln's just. He's not too far in front of me, but he's got his nose hard to the ground and almost making a beeline straight forward. Mm-hmm. And I'm and and I remember thinking, um, what What are you doing that for? No way is he on a bird, you know. And my buddy yelled to me. He said, if he's running like that, he's chasing a running rooster right now. And I remember thinking, no. And I chased him, and I, but I was like, all right, and you know, and uh, I chased him for at least. 70 yards, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and finally when you're tired, you know, you've literally been kind of jogging because he's got his nose hard to the ground. He turned and he looked at me, Lincoln turned and he looked at me from about 40 yards away and I directed him over. I said, Lincoln over. And I did an over command, you know, you're not on anything. Come on, we're walking this way. And he kind of looked at me and he tilted his head and I said it again and he lifted up on his paws and he jumped and a bird flushed from underneath <laughs> and I remember thinking, always trust your bird dog. Uh-huh. You know, because he had been on that rooster and he was looking at me going, Well, why is she telling me to go over when I got a bird right here pinned down for her, you know? Uh-huh. And so that was the moment that I realized, always trust your bird dog. And believe me, there have been moments since then that I've also Been like, no, Lincoln, come on, let's go this way, and he and same thing, bird Mm -hmm. slushes them. Always trust your bird dog.
0: (laughs) I I I can agree with that. I um for some odd reason, every lab person that I talk to, myself included, we all have those moments with labs, and they just look at you and they're like, okay, stupid.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll never forget, and I've got it engraved in my head that look he gave me. He kind of tilted his head. Like why is she telling me to go over there? There's a bird right here, and he jumped up on his paws, you know, like he was flushing. And he and he jumped up and sat and pushing down, and a bird flew up right in front of him.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah,
0: and that'll do it. Now, you know, and, and so at that point, <laughs> for the rest of the like hunt, you start fun. to feel bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was my aha moment for North Dakota. My first wild bird hunt. That's what I took away from that. Mm-hmm. So
0: always trust your bird dog. Now, all right. So we're hunting sharp tails and stuff like that. Now, I've never seen a sharp grouse to save my life. I, I I live nowhere, you know, near there. What did you learn about you know the habitat and the ways in which your dog hunts those birds? Because every dog has its own unique quirks. I do believe that. Her.
1: Um, well, it's same, they're in the same habitat as any other upland bird, but the thing about sharpies is they're fast. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, and so I really like hunting them. I haven't hunted them in a while though. Now I think about it, but, um, same, same habitat. And, um, what's funny about sharpies is they, uh, they kind of cackle at you as they, as they flush almost has to say, ha ha, I'm too fast for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, um, same thing. They're going to be in the tall grass. They're going to run out in front of you a little bit. And uh, one thing that I have learned from my buddy is that there's always one bird that thinks they're smarter than you.
2: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: and I always, t- I tell people this now when I'm taking them out and like, okay, you see that covey that disflushed or covey or, you know, um, you know, a couple roosters disflushed. I'm like, there's one bird still sitting there yep. somewhere near. He thinks he's smarter than you. Mm-hmm. So go walk over there. Yeah. You know? Yep. So that's the one thing I say, uh, you know, about sharpies is, or really any birds. Like there is gonna be a bird there, and you should definitely go and check it because he's sitting in that grass thinking he's hiding from you right now. Right. So
0: right, I um I had that same experience in Kansas. Um, mm-hmm. I took my first wild bobwhite in Kansas. I I you know it wasn't here in Georgia, and when I tell you, it was the most textbook flush. Right. So we had gone. And I wasn't expecting it. My dog Ruger busted a covey of of Bob's, and you know, I was like, Oh man, I left it. Like, okay, I missed it, missed the opportunity. Well, he kept sitting, he kept searching. I was like, What are you doing, man? The covey is gone. Right, that one last bird sat in there and he popped up and went around (laughs) me. I knocked him down. And when I tell you that, that textbook flush and and retrieve was, I will never forget that moment. (laughs) You know, you know, yeah, yeah. And there, it's birds are funny, like you always have, I guess, that, that recall bird. Mm -hmm. You know, that that either thinks he's too smart or or when you leave, they'll all come back. You know, I almost wonder if I flush a bird and then just walk off to a a degree, um, walk off far enough and wait for an hour. See if they would even like.
1: That's definitely how quail hunting is.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: They're going to come back together. Now, other birds, you can generally, you know, roosters, I've seen them. I've seen them where you flush them and you're never going to get back on them, and then mm. I've seen them where watch where they land and you can walk over and possibly reflush them again. Right. So just you know, just kind of depends on where you're at, honestly. Whether right. it's private or public land, whether they're educated birds, whether it's early season, late season, it's all just by trial and error, man. You know, it's it's hunting.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the only way I can explain it. I'm a big game hunter. I'm a bird hunter. It's like it's hunting. Yeah. It's these animals. They are bred to be smarter than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are bred to survive,
0: and that's what they're going to do. So. Now, 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 humor me for a quick second. On, on a, a random short note, I've never big big game hunted. Um, when I got into bird hunting, I kind of quit everything else. Um, but with big game hunting and bird hunting, are there any are they starkly different, or are there any lessons that are kind of similar in that?
1: Well, you know what's funny to me is that a lot of times big game hunters will kind of turn their nose up at bird hunting because they're like, that's nothing compared to, you know, what I do. And (laughs) and I kind of laugh because I'm like, hey, um, did you hike 40 miles in uh, three days? Right, right. (laughs) uh, And I am a spot and stalk big game hunter, and I'm a backpack hunter. And um, I don't think, I think a lot of times um, people forget that, these upland birds are wild, just as wild as any other animal. Are, and it takes a lot to get to them. It takes a lot of hiking. It takes a lot of endurance. You know, I mm-hmm. killed a at twelve thousand feet. Like, yep. do you think that was something easy to do? You know, I've got guys are out there hunting Himalayan snowcock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that
1: is badass to a T.
0: Yeah, it it no. really is.
1: And so it's it's just funny, but um, I think there's definitely a different. You know, there's just something about hunting behind a dog. It really is. And it mm-hmm. really draws people in. And um, I'll take any big game hunter bird hunting. Right. <laughs> and I
0: think they'll fall in love with this. So, right, right. Now, you know, on, on the subject of hunting at 12,000 feet, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You sent me that article too, the Ptarmigan Summit. Now, what. You not you weren't worried about your dog like running over a cliff edge or anything at twelve hundred twelve thousand twelve hundred.
1: Absolutely. When I when we got up there, it was me and my buddies, and we looked at that cliff, and I remember thinking, I don't think we should go out there. Yeah. (laughs) And and I remember um, I Facetimed my mom from up there, and I said, "You're not going to be happy about where I'm about to hike right now." (laughs) (laughs) And long story short, you had to be very cautious. We were very. We, it was very slow. It was very methodical. Um, watching your every step. Um, that is where training really comes in, and make sure that you have the dog that absolutely obeys every command that you give him, him or her, because you're going in places that are seriously dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, we were at twelve thousand feet in Ptarmigan, uh, You know, like that, like that rocky, treacherous stuff. And so, um, it was. It was more there weren't really any cliff faces that, oh, they could go off of it, but it was steep mountainside. Right. And, um, when we got up there, I was, you know, Lincoln, he stayed, he stayed within 10 yards out in front of me and and the other GSPs were hunting, uh, behind me. Cause my buddy was a little ways behind me and, um, but it was definitely when those birds flushed, uh, we made sure before we went out there, it was like, hey, if these birds flush, where are they going to go? Is it safe to take the dogs out there? You know, because we didn't want, again, when those when the birds flush, what are dogs going to do? You know, they're going to they're <laughs> chase. They're going to do what we have trained them to do. Right. So, um, we made definitely, before we got up there, we were checking out the terrain. Okay, what's the consequences here, blah, blah. So, mm-hmm. um, it was cold, and it was windy, and it was rocky, and so it was definitely a watch your every step type move. But the dogs were fine, and... We had been hunting for two days prior to that, so all their paws were pretty roughed up because mm-hmm. that's that was, that's pretty tough terrain in their paws. Um, the next day, though Lincoln was pretty spent. he had to he had to sit out. I was pretty spent the next day. I had to sit out so. right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Now, now what is the 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 preparation for that look like? I mean, because you know, I'm really interested in the the next few stories. I just want to go through. The the whole you know point A to finish thing because you started for the ptarmigan hunt you started at ten thousand feet you worked your way up mm-hmm. so what what's that whole situation looking like
1: well so I do a lot of backpack hunting um, and Lincoln does it with me to get to terrain that we don't think that other people have covered you know to get to birds that haven't been touched yet and so um, I've I've done backpacking just. I started out just backpacking, you know, just camping, backpacking, and then I moved that into the hunting world. So I have a general knowledge of how to pack my pack, how to keep things light, what gear I need, what gear I don't. And then for Lincoln, a dog can carry about 25% of their weight, and my dog is a 100-pound lab, and so um, thank goodness he can carry that because I can't carry all the food and stuff that Mm -hmm. he requires, and so he has his own pack. And the weeks leading up to that, I generally try to plan out my hunt schedule pretty far into the summer or spring, so I know what's coming up. And so we will train all summer for that. And that um, I generally do the gym in the morning, and then in the evening, I load up a pack with weight, generally 25 pounds to 30 pounds, and then I put a pack on Lincoln. With, um, I try to put some weight in there for him and we hit the trail every night and try to do one to two miles every night of just weight training. Wow. And we do that all summer long. And, um, then by the time fall comes, we're, I don't want to say nothing can ever prepare you to (laughs) climb steep mountains to Mm -hmm. 12,000 feet without you just doing it every day. But we are definitely more prepared for it. If that makes sense.
0: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to, you know, train, quote unquote, dog train all season, all summer without doing any kind of personal work no. and then just get up. <laughs> no, you're yeah, not going to do that. Yeah, I would
1: never that. encourage anyone to just one day say, hey, I'm going to go backpack hunting, you know, <laughs> and, climb mm. and do five miles, you know, or 10 miles in a day. It's, it's, it's a lot tougher than people think and, um. Um, just for general safety reasons, you know, you need to train for that. You need to prepare yourself. And, mm-hmm. um, just even if it's a month before you, you're going on your hunt, you know, start hiking every day, hike two miles, put right. a little bit of weight in your bird vest and hike two miles every night, you know, take the dog on a walk. And it's especially important for your dog, you know, um, over the summertime, it gets uh, super hot and you may not be able to train him as, um, as long or, you know, really getting him into shape. Well, if you hit that mountain without, or even if you just hit the field without your dog having exercise at all, like that's that's a safety hazard to them. You know, we could end up with some serious issues, and mm-hmm. no one wants a trip to the vet. So.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you know, you're also on cliff edges and, and things like that too. Now, what about? Let's talk about dog safety.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> How are you coping with that? Because there are no vets near near you.
1: No, there aren't, and. You have to be very, very careful. Um, we had an accident this fall. Actually, we were hunting chucker out in Idaho, and my buddy's dog. Uh, we reached the the peak of the mountain, and um, over the other side was this very steep, grassy. There was nothing to cling on to. We happened to flush a bunch of chucker right up there, and the dog was doing what she did, and and um, she lost her footing and rolled down the hill. And it was a very scary moment for all of us because you know we're. It took us we thought she had punctured a lung, but she ended up being fine. But it took us three hours to get down the mountain. You know, so it's mm-hmm. just, you have to be careful. You have to um, come prepared. You have to have a general first aid field knowledge, which, selfish plug here, that's going in the August issue of Gundog Magazine. Check it out.
0: Go for it. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so I carry a first aid kit on my bird vest. Um, I have an understanding of what happens if I get a cut, if the dog gets a cut or rips a paw or rips a nail, um, you know, gets punctured, you know, things of that sort. You just have to go in with the knowledge. It's, it's um, not wise to hit the field without a first aid kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I go on any trip, I research veter- veterinarians in the vicinity with their numbers and address. I carry records of my dog's, you know, health records, shot records. Um, things of that sort, just just like you would with your kid, you know, right. your dog is your dog is your child essentially. It is a family member, so just the way you would go prepared for a, a trip with your child is the same thing you should do for your dogs. So. Right,
0: right. No, I'm I'm here for it. I just like I really want to go chucker hunting, um, mm-hmm. but there's so much prep work that i've always kind of been been like okay how am i going to chugger hunt when i'm from georgia like the there's nothing about the terrain that's even remotely similar
1: sure
0: you know so i've always wondered like all right how do you transition from that to out west
1: well and and chucker country is straight is steep and rocky and hilly and for someone like you who lives in georgia what i would encourage you to do is to get on the elliptical and treadmill you know during the day and do Mm -hmm. cardio work and then and then get on the stair stepper um try to carry a pack with some weight because you're gonna have weight on your back when you got your bird vest think if you start filling it with birds uh, with birds with water um and then at night just put on a pack and hike two or three miles with your dog right um that's the best thing you can do and it's better than nothing
0: right and honestly okay i'm gonna take that and that's probably another reason for my wife to to bug me to get on an elliptical too. That's her thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we'll be doing that together. <laughs> yep, for sure. So all right, we've got we've got ptarmigan hunting. We've got hunting in the badlands, and then you know my I'm probably gonna say my personal favorite article that you wrote was the Hells Canyon article, hunting through Hells Canyon. Mm-hmm. Now you know, I don't know what, I, I know you and one more person that have hunted through Hell's Canyon and, you know, the stories are just amazing. I, I feel like for the name to be what it is, it's it's almost like bird hunting, you know, Mecca. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to go through Hell's Canyon for the, the ultimate experience. <laughs> well,
1: what's funny about that, what happened was, was I was hunting I had my best friend Natalie with me, and she was hunting deer. Mm-hmm. And then I had my bird hunting buddies and a new hunter. Uh, well, she wasn't hunting. She was just joining us for the hunt. Which is hand.
0: still crazy to me. You, you brought yeah, somebody. She just, I
1: mean, she just wanted to come along for the adventure. <laughs> and um, so I had a predicament where I had to keep Natalie in her hunting unit and then also have bird territory for us, Chuck or Terry. So, so what we were going to do was... Is that plan A was to drive up this mountain road, leave the cars, and backpack um, over, kind of over this mountain to get into Hells. Because that would keep Natalie in her unit, and that would keep us in bird country. Well, you can plan something that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. You know, I spent months looking at maps and find, okay, here's water. You know, the thing about backpacking is you have to know where your water source is. You have to know... Um, you know, it, is it even feasible? You know, sometimes you can't climb a mountain, you know, you so. Well, uh,
0: and then in that article, you mentioned the terrain completely changed.
1: Oh, it did. So again, you know, I can, I looked at the map and said, okay, I know this trail will take us here and it'll, and, uh, it'll take us up over here and we can camp next to this lake and, you know, there's supposed to be a stream running here. So we get up there and, um. We start to drive the mountain road that I first mentioned because we were going to get it to a certain height and then backpack from there. We hit that mountain road and they had just had a snow and uh, the road was icy. And I start driving it and my car starts heading towards the edge of the mountain, slipping. Yeah. So, okay. There goes that. There goes that idea. So reverse the car, which almost got it stuck there too on top of the mountain. <laughs> nope, we're abandoning that plan. Okay, we're going to plan B. I know that this trail that we were trying to just get higher up on starts at the bottom. We can hike up from there, blah, blah, So Natalie's like, well, I'm just going to start hunting. We leave her. She's got all her backpacking gear. And um, me, Brian, and Kim go back down the mountain in the cars. We ditch the cars, pack up all our gear, and we start hitting this trail. Well, for about the first, I'd say, 100 yards, the trail was there. Then the trail disappeared because what the map didn't tell me was that there was a bunch of deadfall, that they had had a fire, and there was deadfall all over the trail. The trail was no longer recognizable. The stream that was supposed to be running next to the trail what had looked like it had been dried up for 10-plus years. There was no water there. Wow. So we're trying to hike over deadfall, and I don't know if you've ever seen deadfall, but when you've got giant trees laying crisscross on top of each other and you're trying to climb over them, Slash get your dog who has his pack and you've got a Mm -hmm. giant pack. It just doesn't work.
0: The worst that we we had was Hurricane Michael down in South Georgia. Now that flipped over quite a few trees, but I don't think it was still anything remotely like what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I only had a walkie talkie. I couldn't get her on the walkie talkie because we're too far down in this valley. When I finally get to the top of a ridge, I was able to get her. And it turns out she's like, hey, there's really not enough water up here because we, we were running out of water because the stream that I had counted on was not working. And I'm like, now they will never make it to you by nightfall unless we go back down and walk the road up is essentially what. And when I say road, like if you've ever seen a mountain logging road, like they're questionable. Right. So... Um, <laughs> um, right. so she's like you know what there's not enough water up here because it was all frozen up there because you know it was higher elevation it was it was around six seven thousand feet so she's like there's not enough water up here for the dogs there's enough water for me but not enough for you guys so we had to go to plan c and so i said okay well we're not going to hells then we're going over to the salmon river which um kind of run uh runs very near hells and the snake it's all in riggins and so we ended up hunting over um on the Salmon River, which, mm-hmm. um, same terrain as Hell's Canyon. It's just not the iconic Hell's Canyon. And so that's, that's a perfect example there of plan A didn't work. Plan B didn't work. Had to go to plan C, mm-hmm. you know, so
2: mm-hmm.
1: just had to roll with the punches and go with it because put yourself in a dangerous situation where if you have no water and, um, you got to think about your dogs and you have to think about you and your survival and, Things of that sort, so but we ended up having a great hunt. <laughs> <laughs> we of the salmon and got
0: into a bunch of birds. So nice. So now, now shooting at chucker. Okay, again, something I've never done. What is that like? Like, are are they as quick as sharp tails? Or, or are what, what's that? What you got going on there?
1: Well, if it, if I out of my past two trips, <laughs> um. uh, Chucker, imagine climbing a mountain and having one knee against the ground while you're trying to lift yourself up, trying to climb a rock, and then a chucker flushes, so you're trying to swing your gun (coughs) in a very strange downward angle, (laughs) while also trying not to roll down the mountain. Imagine that, and that's what it's like, (laughs) honey, (laughs) Chucker. Okay. All right. Well. So, they are in very um, steep terrain they like rocky terrain um they like higher elevations um i still have not mastered chucker hunting and so i think i'm going out there again this year and hopefully the third time
0: okay so now (laughs) all right because and you're bold because again i think the root the the narrative of chucker hunting is that you hate it after the first go so clearly, you haven't found a reason to hate it yet. What would you do different this this go round, as you've done previously?
1: Um, you know, honestly, I part of chucker hunting is the experience of climbing way up there and just being in that train. You get up there and you see this breathtaking view of just where you are and what you've done, and that is really the soul of chucker hunting. And, um, but what I would do differently is I'm going to find the steepest, nastiest <laughs> <laughs> terrain, and that's where they're going to be. And if they're not there, then I, they, they are coming down to water too, just like you are, they're going to come down to water. And mm-hmm. so, um, my second plan is, is to hunt rather than, uh, vertically straight up. I'm going to hunt horizontal later in the evening and, um, hope that I catch them coming up from the water or coming down to the water. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. 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 Now you are also, we we, talking about the setters, GSPs at lab, what you're hunting a lot of dogs together. What's the strategy? Are y'all just splitting up? And so the dogs never have to interact or are you letting point dogs point letting retrievers flood, but what, what's the strategy? Well,
1: um, Honestly, our dogs know each other very well, and mm-hmm. um, uh, we do a little bit of both. We do, hey, I'll see you later in the day, and we head out on our own. And then we also do, if we're kind of hunting more prairie stuff, i will hunt, you know, the, the, the pointers with the flushers, you know. But we generally all kind of, you know, we're all hunters, so it's like, hey, I'm going this way. Hey, you go that way. You go that way, you know. Right. But I have hunted uh, – I was hunting in Iowa this year with my buddy Mike and his Griffon and they and, and Lincoln and they hunted well together. If if Gypsy the Griffon went on point, I and Lincoln hadn't found any birds yet. I direct him over there for Mike. Lincoln, get in there and flush. You know, Lincoln, there's a bird over here. You know, get in there, get in there. And I've had no problems with that. Um,
2: gotcha.
1: Um, I hunted with a GSP and GSP this year, and he'd go on point, and I direct Lincoln. Uh, hey you know, get over here and flush this bird. And, and from hunting, Lincoln has kind of, um, figured out when a dog, another dog is on point and he knows what that means. You know, when he's not trying to find his own birds and, mm-hmm. and I get his attention and say, Hey, get over here. He, he understands what that means. now. Right. But, um, you know, some people do different things, but I have never had problems with a flusher and a pointer hunting together, okay. which is kind of why I'm like, Hey, I really want to set her to, so Lincoln and them can make it, dynamic duo
0: together. Mm -hmm. I am, so I have that same experience. I, um, my buddy Shane, I hunt with him down in South Georgia, and we actually, um, matter of fact, some of the photos I want to send you, um, you know, we hunted, uh, his GSP with my lab. I didn't have my pointer at the time. And it took about 30 minutes for, no, I'm sorry, it took about an hour for, my dog to figure out when he heard um, Shane's GSP's beeper collar go off,
2: mm-hmm. that that yeah. dog
0: was on point. And so he would start to go in. Now, a couple, you know, we had maybe like old scent or something like maybe a false point or two. Um, and it still worked out. But it, it it's like the it's like the light bulb for those two dogs clicked. And they, again, yeah. like you said, they know each other very well. Um,
1: they figured it out. It's it's very strange how they figure it out, and I'm always amazed by it, but they figure it out. Right,
0: right. Now, I'm I'm nervous about hunting my pointer with my lap. I think it might be a couple years before I do it, though. I think so.
1: I I agree with you. I'm nervous about it, too. Yeah. Because... On one hand, you've got your lab who already hunts and he's, you know, he's thinking, well, this is just a regular hunt for me and I'm going to go hard charging, trying to find you a bird. Right. And then you bring this whole other dynamic into it and he's like, well, why am I having to wait? You know, why am I, you know, cause I imagine in my head that this is what it's going to be like for me. It's like, it's going to be like, why do I have to slow down? You know, right. why do I, or, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking along the same lines as you is that I might have to hunt him separately, you know, one field hunt Lincoln, one field hunt the setter. Mm-hmm. And then
0: mm-hmm. slowly bring them together. And, you know? Right, I, exactly. I mean, it's and I, I just don't want to create a tense situation of competition because mm-hmm. you you catch yourself two dogs that live together, they play and do all of this together, but there are no birds involved.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: and you, you put birds in a situation, now you got yourself a dog fight. <laughs> yeah. And I, and yes. I don't want to do that. So I think it's going to take a, take some time and. You know, Ruger, he's my first dog. I have uh, had a lot of really good experiences with him. Um, and around that third or fourth season, you know, dogs pretty much start to figure it out. You know, they they start to, you know, they're they like, all right, I've got my groove. I'm, I'm kind of doing my thing. I don't want to take that away from my lab. I don't. Yep,
1: pretty good.
0: You know, so okay. I <laughs> no
1: okay,
0: sure. look, I, you you have to tread lightly with these guys. You really do. Um, and then the training that goes into it. And then once you get that setter, you are you, you, you're probably not going if you're anything like me, you're probably not going to want to uh, not going to want to interrupt that setter's job.
2: Right.
0: Yep. You know, I don't think I'm I'm I would be hard-pressed to say I'm actually going to kill any birds over my pointer this year. If I can get him pointing wild birds, I'm going to just take my 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 blank gun and pop it and work You you see what I'm saying like still maintain that that training aspect of it.
2: Mhm. Yep.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't think I'm going to kill no birds over them, And if I do, it'll be next spring because I, I hope that by next spring I can put him maybe in a nastra trial or something. Right. But I,
1: could, I don't think you should rush the process at all.
0: Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, pointers is slow. Now, with Labs, I will say yeah. once you get the casting, once you get the steadiness aspect of it, I mean, you pretty much ready to rock and roll.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I, no. I watch. I definitely watch your posts of like, okay, what's
0: he doing now? What's he? Doing? He's, got a, he's got him on a barrel. He's got him on a- well, look, look. I, I, all I'm saying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. I really am. I appreciate you watching the post.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I'm trying to figure it out, and he seems to do well, but that's that's where you have natural ability coming in. You see, um, and and that's where the dogs drive. And if you do the introductions, I think I, I I think I did well with um what the guy one of the guys that I listened to, field trial hall of famer, had him on the pocket. Bud Moore, everybody knows I love him to death. He talks about a window of opportunity that you have with pups. And I think I was I was hell bent on getting that window of opportunity um, and getting him trained within that kind of that space. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, I have this opportunity where my dog is is for four months old, surprisingly very steady. The 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 last thing that I actually really worry about is his tail pointing, because um, on birds, like when he's actually going, going, going the tail is 12 o'clock. But he knows that we're out training. And so, you know, there's a difference in his mentality, but he's always amped up to get on top of that barrel.
2: Right. Yep.
0: You know, and and now, to matter of fact, today, we started to transition off the barrel onto the ground and and take those same things that we learned on that barrel and say, all right, I need you to do the same thing, just on the ground. And so, you know, it's, it's like... It's almost. I always tell people it's like fine tuning, like a like a Porsche or something. You know, you you've got these little bitty quirks, and you don't move near as fast as you do with a lab. I I moved a hundred miles an hour with my lab,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: it's a different, it's just a different training, mm-hmm. whole different training segments, whole mm-hmm. different. Training, whole different.
0: Style it takes time. It takes a whole lot of time. So <laughs> you know, but this ain't about me. This about you. <laughs> now, all right. You know, are you? Do you plan on hunting Hell's Canyon again? And if so, you know, what do you think? Like, what were? Did, could you see the the light bulb click for him in in that setting? Because that's a challenging scenario.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think I'm going to go out there again this fall because I'm actually going to be doing um, DIY elk out there first. So I'm going to mm-hmm. take Lincoln with me, drop him off at a friend's, hunt elk, and then uh, pick up Lincoln and go meet another friend to go bird hunting. And so, um, he recognized, it's so funny, you know, just even this year driving in, he recognizes it. You know, I think dogs recognize where they've been and, you know, you can tell he's, he knows when he's in bird country and he knows what we're about to do. And so, um. I'm going to do it again, and the thing about Lincoln is, and this is part of the reason why I want another dog, is, you know, Lincoln, that terrain is serious terrain, especially for a big lab, Right. and so he has to, he can hunt one day, and then he normally has to rest the next day, and so this is the other reason why it'd be good for me to have another dog, is because let Lincoln rest and get the other bird dog out, you know?
0: Yep, Yep. yep.
1: Yep, I do plan on hunting out there again, um hope to meet up with some other Chucker Hunters and maybe they can teach me a thing or two.
0: Well, so, you have, um, this is another podcast, the Up Chucker podcast. You have Travis Warren. Very good yeah. guy. If I've you ever-
1: talked to Travis and hopefully he's going to write for us here soon. So, really? Yeah, and I, I, um, I've got him on board with us and I want him to tell the tale of how to be a Chucker Hunter and he's going to do that for us. And okay,
2: that, okay. That
1: kind of goes into the new wave of gun dog in the
0: direction we're going to be going. Nice. Okay, so now I'm excited. <laughs> Travis is a really good dude. So, let's let's talk about the new wave of Gun Dog Magazine. What are we looking for? Like, for, for new folks, for folks like myself that have been reading since we started, you've got Travis Warren coming up, you've got Jerry Improvento coming up, and I mean, he's been there, but there's a there, it's like a whole new body of of mm-hmm. gun dog magazine. What are we to well, look for?
1: The thing about gun dog is, like I said before, it has always been the premier sporting dog publication, and it will forever main, remain that. But with everything else, times are changing, and we need to keep up with the new demographic. and And with that, uh, we need to appeal to the younger generation of bird dog hunters. And I think upland hunting is very iconic and it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so Gundog will never, ever go away from the training aspect and how to train your dog. We will forever be that brand that will tell you how to do that. Um, but what we're also going to add in there is the lifestyle aspect of upland hunting. And you know, that is the DIY public land hunter, um, where to go, when to go, how to go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. You know where to do it at and um also you know different columns on here's how to cook up what you just shot you know right. a lot of people I, I know i find myself all the time looking for new pheasant recipes sharp mm-hmm. recipes you know things of that sort did you realize that sharp tail or a red meat and if you overcook them man they taste like a rock you know right. so it's like a lot of people don't know that and so Here's, you know, a whole column on how to cook up your, you know, your game. And, um, also just general, uh, uh, columns on how to, um, you know, here's how to be a DIY hunter. And then also things on just an awesome, just awesome hunt stories, you know, badass hunt stories with people telling us what they've done, where they've gone. Um, And that can give you an idea of what you want to do and things to add to your bucket list. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: I know just from reading some stuff in gundog and other magazines, I'm like, wow, I want to do that. You know, that's what I want to do. And those stories are going to tell you how to do it. And they're going to tell you um, the best advice and uh, give you good ideas on the gear that you need. Uh, We're going to do a lot more extensive gear testing, shotgun testing, uh, I always get people asking me, what bird pants do you have on? You know, we're going to, we're going to find the stuff that you need and we're going to make sure that we review it well and make sure that it works. And we're going to tell you about it. And then we're just going to do general, um, awesome dog stories. You know, the, you know, upland hunting, I more power to those people who hunt without dogs. And I think that's great, but Mm -hmm. we also know how much we all love dogs and we all have stories, tearjerker stories. And, and just happy dog moments. And I want people to pick up Gun Dog and just have those stories to read about and be like, did you read that awesome story about that pointer the other day in Gun Dog? That's what I want. That's what I want people to do. Right. And that's what Gun Dog going to do. Right. And so um, starting um, the fall, uh, the December, January issue of Gun Dog, we're going to give it a new look. Okay. Um, it's, time, it's a little bit outdated, and so we're working all of summer to design it with um, uh, new updated looks, new fonts, new design, new photography. Um, uh, just make it more appealing to pick up off the newsstand, make it a little bit easier to read, and then we're going to add in these new columns. Um, it's going to be something that, it's going to be a magazine that you're going to want. Okay. The younger generation is going to want, they're going to want to subscribe to, they're going to want to tell their friends about, and they're going to want to pick up off the newsstand. Awesome. And, um, you know, we're going to do a big weight push on social media, also giving people information on there. And it's just, you know, it's nothing different. It will forever be the premier sporting dog publication, but it's going to get new updated, new updated columns and features and people are going to want to read about them. So
0: awesome. 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 I'm excited. Um, Lord, I can sit here, hold your time up, but I ain't gonna hold too much more of your time. <laughs> um, So, y- you know, I want to encourage any and everybody, all of my listeners to go and subscribe to Gundog Magazine. Now, my last, last, last two questions I got for you. Are there any writers that, you know, past or present that stand out to you? And, you know, have you noticed any kind of a change in the literary interests of subscribers or listeners? Like, what you know, what are folks looking for nowadays? Because you've always been into dog training. But is there, have you noticed any kind of change?
1: Well, honestly, um, you know, with the whole wave, I'm, I'm seeing it on social media. Um, I'm seeing it on the website. Um People are looking for this how-to. Okay. Know, they're looking for knowledge. They're looking for how a bunch of how-to. How to be a DIY hunter. Okay. Um, and so that's what we're trying to uh, push towards. But we're also not going to eliminate you know, or alienate everybody else. Like That's not what everyone wants. And so um, the best advice I've ever... you know, I've worked in the magazine industry for five years now. And the best advice I've ever been given is give your readers what they want. Don't give them what you like. Give them what they like. And mm-hmm. so... Um, I encourage everyone to uh, send me a, send me an email. What do you want to see in this magazine? What what's uh, what are you passionate about? What do you want to read about in Gun Dog Magazine? Uh, you can email us at gundog at outdoorsg.com. And um, tell us what you want to see. You know, what I'm seeing is that where to hunt, when to hunt, and how to hunt. Cool. And so, um, you know, with the new wave of public lands and there are millions of acres of public land that are open to hunting and that's what people want to know how to hunt and want to know how to chase birds on. And so that's what we're going to give them.
0: Excellent. 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 Well, you know, you just definitely blown my mind with this whole, um, you know, this whole new change and this new wave of gun dog magazine. Um, so I will be the first to say, I'll be looking for this fall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, def- honestly,
1: and, and you know, that's, Gun dog is gun dog is gun dog, and it will be forever de- dedicated to the sporting dog breed. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to push breeders and where to get your the best tactics for your dog, the best training for your dog. But we are also going to push the lifestyle. And all in all, gun dog is going to be your go-to source for how to be an upland and waterfowl hunter. Cool. Honestly, you know, here's what type of dog you want, and here's how to train them, and here's how to where here's where to hunt with them. That's what it's gonna be and it's just gonna to continue to growing and getting bigger and better.
0: Absolutely. Well, I don't know if if if, if I got anything left it left and crazy enough, you kind of answered all of my questions within the context of what you know, everything that you were saying. <laughs> so, Callie, I can't thank you enough and I'm honored. I, it. I
1: really do and, and- and you tell everyone uh, GunDogMag.com mm-hmm. uh, is where they can subscribe, and seven issues a year of you know it's filled with excellent dog training tips mm-hmm. and. Uh, but wanna, we want to we want to
0: find you too. Now, where, where can we find you?
1: Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Cali Parmley. Uh, that's K A L I P A R M L E Y, and uh, I public. You know, I like to post uh, my adventure stories and my photos and dog of
2: course
0: i'm sure he takes up about 90% of
1: that feed so <laughs> yeah feel free to follow
0: along yep 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 well if you see yourself you know later on you want to see you want to say anything else about gun dog magazine you know you have a platform with me um you know i'm i'm just really excited about this new update so Guys, before I, you know, talk anymore and and, and I can talk dogs all day, guys, that is another episode of the Gundog Notebook Podcast. This is the amazing, can I call you amazing, Callie? (laughs) (laughs) I guess. This is the amazing Callie Parmley of Gundog Magazine, the new editor-in-chief, and I'm looking forward to the fall. So, if so... um. You guys go follow her. Go check her out. Go check out Gundog Magazine, of course. And I will see y'all next week. Y'all have a good one. All right, guys. I hope y'all enjoyed that episode with Callie Parley. And I told you it was going to be good. I told you it was. So, anywho. As we conclude, of course, I want to just, you know, round this on up by saying thank you to Dakota 283 Kennels, Lion Country Supply, Project Upland, Northwoods Collective, um, you know, Jake Terry over Endless Migration, a Sporting Dog, um, you know, Nick Larson at uh, Project Upland Podcast, and... You know, all of the good folks that I talk to, you know, on a daily basis about the dogs, you know, of course, I just want to tell you guys, thank y'all, because I know I bug y'all all the time about dog training, um, gun dog mag. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting those new issues and seeing how that, you know, how that whole thing kind of comes together. I know Callie is about to bring y'all some heat and, uh, you know, finally, Jerry, Jerry and Prevento. From Field Dog Imagery You know, if you haven't seen his photography I know I said a couple earlier on the podcast It's been way more than a couple Um, That's just, I guess, how I talk But Jerry has just really lit the sporting dog photography world on fire Okay? So anywho, you guys go ahead and check that out Stay tuned for any updates on Gun Dog Magazine Keep your eyes peeled and uh you know of course y'all are hear from me next week all right y'all have a good one